and welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon, and I'm one of the editors on the new hit show, Breaking Bad. And I'm here today to talk about episode number 205 with my producer, Vince Gilligan. Hello. The writer, Maura Wally Beckett. Hey. And actor Dean Norris, who plays Hank on the show. Hello. Welcome, everybody. So is it it Moira? Oh, Vince, bless you. (laughs) Bless you. Yes, it is. I'm not giving you grief, Kelly, because for the first two weeks that Moira worked here, I couldn't say her name. I'm sorry, Moira. No, no, I'm I'm saying I did the same thing. I did, except for I did it for two weeks straight, and she kept correcting me. (laughs) And then she started kicking me in the shin. (laughs) And then I got a good nickname out of it. Uh, Moira Lou. Moira Lou. Somehow when he Virginia-fies it, he, he can say it. Exactly. Well. Thank you, Moira. <laughs> At least I got your last name right. I got your last name yeah, right. Yeah, it's a mouthful. I? You know what? Okay. I don't blame you. Um, well, I'm really, really glad that you're here today, because, and I'm totally, totally glad that you're here on the crew with us this year, because uh, you are actually the only female writer that we have in the writer's room. Is that correct? That's correct. And so how is that? I have that? other writers who have female parts. <laughs> <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna, the only, yeah, mine's the only one that's that ever But are, are legally, by, by the state of California, legally, uh, you know, uh, decided to be male so right those are different ones well you know token chick so this episode number 205 is called it's called breakage by the way good good job no more bourbon in the writer's room Uh, that's right that's right (laughs) it's called breakage and so we're here today to talk about the episode and we're lucky to have mr dean which you've already introduced him but yes and and obviously we're very flattered to have you in a room here thank you so much for being here man yeah thanks thanks dean for giving us the time today yeah um let's just jump right in because um it's a really interesting way that you open the show and this is totally different from any other way that we've opened the show this time. We're, we're not jumping back from something else, but we are opening with something totally different from our people. It's a totally different thing. And I guess, what was the choice? How did you guys decide that in the writer's room? Or is that something that you pitched Moira? Or? Yeah, how did we come up with that, Moira? I'm, I'm drawing a blank now. I remember we were very much digging it when we came up with it. Yeah, you know what? I'm not sure I... This is going to be a lot of blank air time yeah. right here. We'll, we'll edit that all. Uh, <laughs> well, I think uh, I can't remember who came up with what, which is, I said this in another podcast, that's sort of the fun thing about uh, being in the writer's room. It just, it's all one group pod mind. It's one hive mind or whatever. It's one collective brain at a certain point. Uh, I think uh, somebody at some point noted the fact that uh, the Rio Grande River flows through Albuquerque. And continues on down south to El Paso and to uh, to the Mexican border. This teaser happened ass backwards. That's yeah. why we can't remember. Because we broke the episode. Yeah. And we were struggling with what the teaser should be. What would be the best representation to launch it. And in the 11th hour, you came up with this idea of the grill in the mud on the banks of the Rio Grande. Oh, And okay. we just was like, snap moment and we boarded it and i went and wrote it was an 11th hour okay edition. so we didn't have it that's right yeah, i'm remembering that first. i'm remembering now because we left it blank we like usually yeah. to work brick by brick and have the whole thing figured out uh but this was one where we left it blank and, Which and is, moved forward was unprecedented yeah that always makes me nervous uncomfortable wow. yeah. Yeah. well yeah. you know yeah. what, was, what was really kind of interesting about it i i usually think that i'm pretty good with geography but obviously in this case i wasn't i knew that uh the rio grande flowed obviously between mexico and in the u.s and i 
knew in in this episode we also send Hank down to El Paso. El Paso, excuse me. Mm-hmm. We send him down to El Paso. So at the end, when he throws the grill into the Rio Grande, I was like, wait a minute, has he gone? I don't understand. He hasn't gone. And I had to ask you the other day, how does that work? I don't get it. And you enlightened me and said, no, the Rio Grande does flow through Albuquerque, New Mexico. I never know how to pronounce it. Rio Grande is obviously more Spanish. I know, I'm just kind of correct say, in saying it. The, what, do, what do they say, Dean, and what do the locals I say? Just, I mean, it depends I, on... Yeah, I guess which, which local you are. Yeah, I yeah, think it's yeah. Rio Grande. You know, Rio yeah. Grande. Rio Grande. Grande. Yeah. Okay, I apologize to anyone. version of the two. Was the idea then that uh, that Hank threw it in an Albuquerque and it flowed down to? Yes, that it, it, right. it tumbled yeah. and floated right. and wound up down at the border. Same river, but a uh, different stretch of it, 200 miles further south. And Right. I, think, I remember talking to you about the saying that I thought that was a very Stephen Kingian kind of thing with the object you know he, he writes a lot about where the objects kind of control you and come back and he and, does and it's interesting that he loves our show but oh, uh, god, oh yes god Can bless we? him mr yeah. King, give a shout out <laughs> oh hell yeah I mean, hell yeah, I, I, hell yeah. <laughs> right ready hell yeah but i thought that was an interesting i mean that was yeah. kind of an element of, of, of the way he writes no that's it's true it's so often there's a an item has some sort of power or some yeah. talismanic Talisman. kind of Right. But uh, yeah, Mr. King, if you're listening, uh, God bless you. We love mm-hmm. you. We love oh, us, man. King. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always, man, I've, I think probably everybody here in this room has loved his stuff for years and years. You know, oh, loved, yeah. uh, God, I remember reading The Stand way back uh, when. My just, favorite. I, I, I couldn't get through it fast enough. <laughs> my favorite is It. Okay. The Killer Clown. Oh, it's yeah. that is just epic. My yeah. favorite book. Uh, but let's uh, talk about shooting uh, at the. Oh, that was tricky. Shooting at the real shooting river. At the river. Right. Now, you, you didn't have to get in that the was, river, but some of our actors did. Oh, that was unbelievably tricky. I mean, mm-hmm. we had to import everything. You know, all of our heavy equipment all the way down to the shores of this really unstable um, terrain. Yeah. You know, it was sort of like. Uh, this top surface of crusty sand that would just sink away into nothing. So it was a real procedure to get a big crane so we could shoot the shots that went out over the river and catch our two um, immigrants, you know, slogging their way through the water. And we had guys in, like, jet skis and powerboats, like, wow. dragging the camera guys around. Oh, yeah. right. and, really? Getting those wow. guys out to that island or the other side. The right? other side so that they could cross. And we had, like, Crow was in his closed top kayak. And Crow is our rigging, uh, rigging, rigging grip. grip. And yeah. Crow is a uh, really interesting guy. He's also a world-class kayaker. Kayaker. That's a big deal. I Because mean, the current was really flowing. Yeah, you yeah. could yeah. die out you there. You know, we yeah. had to really be safe. Yeah. And so the, these actors that you hired, though. Stuntmen. Uh, yes, oh, they, they are, are actors yeah. slash stuntmen. They, oh, okay. they had to have be stunt capable because you can't, you know, for insurance reasons alone and then common sense reasons aside from that, you wouldn't just send folks out there who weren't stuntmen. Because yeah. the current was really flowing and we had our guys um, downstream so that they could catch, you know, any errant cameraman <laughs> who lost yeah. his footing and went wow. flailing by. And yeah. Well, it's, a, it's an incredible sequence, too. I mean, it's it's really, really, really well done. Yeah. I remember seeing the footage. I Let think, me ask you, the, the splash at the end, We were do, was that real time? Uh, that, that's what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, how did we? Uh, how did you guys shoot that? The, well, I, we threw it, and we kept trying to throw it. I don't know what you ended up using, but mm. we kept trying to throw it so yeah. that it splashed in front of the camera. Because well, we had a camera mm-hmm. out in the river in a little boat. Well, yeah, did they ultimately get on the, on, the, on the bank, or are they still in the boat? I'm not sure. 
ultimately. Well, all I can tell you is the shot, the final shot of the entire episode. This is a little peek behind the curtain here. Uh, we're recording this at a point where Dean has not you've, not, you've not seen the finished episode. No. So we're recording this a little advance of when you folks are listening to it. And so, Dean, the final shot in the episode is a long wide shot, you know, low to the water, and we're looking way across the river at you, and you hurl that thing, and then there's this, you know, moment where it's out of frame, and then skabloosh, it lands right in the foreground. Right. Was that you hurled it? That was... Well, we did that. That's why I'm not sure which, uh, which, which shot they used. I know we drew a bunch of them to try to... To try to accurately do that, so I don't know. I don't know. Which... I wish I knew because I, I I didn't cut that sequence. The editor is not here. Lynn yeah. Willingham cut that. She could totally answer that question. Well, it looks awesome. It looks I'll like I yeah, tell you that because it goes bluish. I was so I, the bluish is the end. Then yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. the original? Yes. Other thing? Which was uh, no, not the original. The original end. No, they, yeah, yeah. Talked about that uh, more. Well, the original end was Walt setting the gun down in front of Jesse and saying, "Handle it." Oh, yeah. But the imagery. <clears throat> of the grill making that arc and that final impact sploosh into the uh, water yeah. struck us so powerfully that um, we switched the two scenes and decided in the edit bay to make that the closing image. It's a great image. Too. It's a really awesome yeah. episode, Dean, when you see it. I think you'll really, really like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seeing how you weren't there, really. Well, so let's talk about, uh, I was going to say, let's talk about Dean's, um, yeah. uh, or, or Hank's, rather. Uh, Descent. Yes. Descent in Into, the elevator. Uh, actually, he actually is descending. There's a lot of breakage <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. A lot of themes of breakage. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he starts, uh, Hank gets a promotion. Uh, he's on his way to El Paso to fight uh, drug dealers or drug... Cartels. Yeah, cartels. This stuff was actually going on when you guys were writing, but not to the extent that we're seeing in the news now. And so how Incredible. timely is it that you know this stuff came up as you were writing? Serendipitous? Serendipitous yeah, is a, a tricky way. word because I'd much rather it not be timed so perfectly. Yeah. I'd much rather yeah. this, this stuff wasn't going on down there. That's one of the most dangerous cities in the world is Ciudad Juarez now, I guess. But the interesting thing is it actually is coming into the United States now. They're talking about yeah. putting oh, military yeah. on the on the border yes. to protect. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and there's... Uh, kidnappings uh, in the southwest all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Dick Durbin, the Illinois senator, was talking the other day. Uh, I heard him on the radio talking about how there's Mexican cartel presence in... In 38 states or something like that, even a bunch up in his home state in Illinois. It's scary. It really is. It is scary. I'd, I'd much prefer it not to be so timely. And the weapons are all American-made, and now their penchant is for grenades. First penchant? it was... Yeah, penchant. <laughs> is what, what do you mean? Like throwing grenades at Throwing grenades. I guess they got over their, you know, decapitation proclivity. It's boring after a while, decapitation. Grenades. They're changing it up. We should really talk about um, Hank's descent because, you know, Hank has always been a character. Dean, you know, this is just my observation. You can certainly enlighten me much more, but Hank has always been a character that was like a rock. And we we get a different picture of Hank. Yeah, well, I mean, it was really, really interesting to open up that script. I'm going to ask you guys how that came about and what, uh, where did that come from? Because it really came out of the blue. That's part of my question, too. Obviously, you don't tell... Mm -hmm. Not at all. You you didn't tell him what was going on. No. It's not like we're keeping it a secret. It's just uh, we're we're working not, not too many days ahead of when the script actually arrives on the set. (laughs) <laughs> so it's not. It wasn't about keeping big secrets. I don't think it's just about getting it out there. And so yeah, how was that? What was that like? Do you know? It was. It out? was just amazing. And and just to go back to your like a rock thing. I mean, clearly any. I mean, I think any character like that is really not. That's it's kind of covering up some stuff. 
obviously if you work in a job where you're constantly in danger where you're constantly uh you know you can't show any vulnerabilities you become what you are to a certain extent but that doesn't necessarily mean that that hank character is that completely i think he plays that really really well because that's his defense mechanism to deal with a lot of things including his crazy wife you know <laughs> but i think it's really interesting but you never i never see on tv where they then take that and and de, de what do they call it what's that fancy deconstruct word deconstruct deconstruct it yeah, yeah. and see like what's going on a different way so i thought it hit me with a ton of bricks when i read it i was like whoa you, you know i'm so glad you, you like that because we know how great an actor dean is i mean our whole cast is is wonderful and uh in dean's case playing hank when you have actors capable of, of doing it you want to let them show all these different layers and play all these different moments and not you know have them play the same thing you, you want to learn more about these characters that you love and especially it, it, it's fun uh, when you know your actor's capable, more than capable of, yeah. of pulling it off. And you can write for that. But did you guys, yeah. like when you were, like it's always interesting to me, it, it's the overall view of the season when you talked about it, did you go, oh, everyone's, everyone including Hank's going to have this, you know, breakage, these these breakdowns, or did it come up, it's, you know? It, I don't think it was that, correct me if I'm wrong, Moore, I don't think it was that, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think we had planned it out in advance in, in that sort of global sense of we mm-hmm. want everybody to have a breakdown. I, I think in globally we, we always knew we wanted to learn more about it, all of these characters. Exactly. I see. But, and, but, and our stories tend to break really organically, you know, and I think that's part of the feeling that the show provides that everything, you get to know everybody really well and it feels really real because we're not just arbitrarily making decisions about our characters and we're like that situation in episode two that dean is suddenly confronted with you know and he is forced into this close range insane gun battle with tuco has to have a psychological impact yeah and that's worth exploring in the world's most impenetrable implacable you know, confident character. Yeah. That's interesting. And, and happy-go-lucky on top of all those things. And to see him in a, a different light yeah. is, is fun. You know what it is for me personally? I, I've i watched more TV than any human should, and I've seen, I've seen more <laughs> movies. And, and we all we all know the, the gist of it. We all know there's, like, like a sonnet has a form, uh, a cop show has a form as well that you abide by. And in the cop show, Typically, you have the hero get in a shooting. I'm not redinging Nash Bridges, but say just Nash Bridges. You have Don Johnson, uh, Nash Bridges kill like three or four guys in an hour. And uh, which, by the way, and I love that show when it was on. You know, but uh, not dinging on it. I was in a couple of them. Uh, that's right. Oh, were you? <laughs> but I mean, it's as as good an example as any because a lot of shows follow this pattern. You have your hero kill a guy, kill two guys, kill three guys, and then he goes on and as if it never happened. And that's perfectly acceptable way of telling a story, telling that kind of a story. And and yet we were all in the writers room talking about these characters, and, and I just don't believe it's that way in real life. Not not that those guys were ever presenting. You know, most cop shows are not pretending to present real life they're just telling a very entertaining and engaging story but i figured in our show we could try to you know it's the little moments that 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 we enjoy in the writer's room that we enjoy writing about the little moments of you know how do you get rid of a body how do you what do you do with the guy in the basement you know we're not reinventing the wheel here we're just uh, we're just asking the little questions that that most shows skip over because most stories assume that that's the boring stuff. You want to get on to the next operatic grand moment where the next shootout comes. But for us, for me anyway, speaking mm-hmm. for myself, the fun stuff is, you know, what 
sort of post-traumatic stress uh, do you accrue as as Hank if you, you know, you, and it's not like guilt that he killed some guy, for me anyway. It's like, Jesus, I could it could have been me. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't give a damn about this guy Tuco being dead, but my God, that could have been me. My wife could be a widow now. But if I'd been a little uh, second short uh, slower on the draw i mean who knows i mean i maybe i got lucky maybe i'm not even that good you know maybe 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 you know all these questions that would arise uh, in real life that we just just fun to present that stuff and be able to have the opportunity to present that stuff and i love how it's messy because the other thing on let since we're using nash bridges you know they would have had a scene where he sits down with the the psychiatrist and everything gets wrapped up or something, you know, or, right. or you know, we're in, and it's kind of a bullshit scene. Whereas this, you don't really, really know. It just, it kind of, it lurks out there, you know, in that episode and, and maybe in, in further episodes, it, and which is probably how it would be, you know. Yeah. It's not like a big sit down and everything's wrapped up and we figured it all out. Yeah. It just kind of lurks out there in his, in his subcon, you know, in his consciousness and it kind of. And I would think yeah, too. It's a haunting. Yeah, and you got to be careful. I would think too, in, in law enforcement. Uh, career, you got to be careful not to spend too much time with the psychiatrist. You right. know, that could probably, whether they say it or not, you know, officially or not, I think that might, you know, raise eyebrows and, you know, get a, give you a ding, you yeah. know, that would... Uh, I also thought it was interesting in, in kind of uh, getting ready for that role. You know, these guys, they rarely do pull out their guns. So you think, you have, say, you have a 20-year career, a 10-year career in, in law enforcement in general, and you practice every day or every other day for that moment that it may occur, and it never occurs. 95% of the time, it never occurs. You know? But you think about it, I'm sure, you, at night or whenever. What if it happens? What if it happens? What if it happens? How am I going to react? How am I going to react? And all of a sudden, boom. And, and do I even want to know? And do I even want to know how I'm going to react? You know? And then, boom, all of a sudden, and it wasn't like we were going on our way to a big thing. I thought I was meeting Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, know? exactly. And all of a sudden, boom, you're, you're in the middle of a life or death situation. You know? so. And, you know, i got to think, too, what if Hank is thinking, would I have been able to take this guy if he didn't already have a bullet in his gut? Sure, absolutely. You know, so, uh, you know, we're trying to do our best to write about human beings and all their various, all of our, including ourselves, all their various flaws and rough edges and whatnot. So, to me, that's what gets me excited about going to work every day. And again, no offense to Nash Bridges. It was, uh, <laughs> I really did enjoy it. It was a fun show. What was it like? Uh, did you have fun on that show? I loved it, man. It was great. Don Johnson's great. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I, yeah. I loved him on Miami Vice, man. That was a great show, too. Yeah. That was a game changer. That yeah, show. Absolutely, I remember that. I remember the first time I ever saw a Steadicam in use on a TV show was on Miami Vice. I was like, I didn't even know what it was. I just like, how are they shooting this? I had some dim idea in the back of my head. I've never seen this shot before. Circling Bruce Willis or something on a yeah. courthouse steps or something. I was like, damn. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I digress. <laughs> hey, Dean, I got a question for you, um, especially with that shootout that just happened in uh, episode 202. Um, what about the firearms chaining? Yeah, well, we went to the actual DEA, the uh, local uh, sharpshooter, uh, and actually took us out, uh, me and my partner, uh, Blaze Gomez, Stephen Mike Cazada, and uh, we went through a whole day of, uh, of learning the whole, and it was great. It was really, it, it really informed, for me, informed that scene because they really break it down to numbers in terms of, you know, what you do. My favorite was one hand goes to the gun and the left hand goes to your chest because they don't want you... In, in the heat of the moment to blow your own hand off. 
Oh, isn't that cool? So they break these things down to these numbers so, cool. so wow. that when the thing happens, there's no thinking. This is the first move. I, you can't see it on the podcast, but one goes to your uh, to your chest and one goes to here. Wow. So you're not like, what the? <laughs> ah, you know? <laughs> I don't and you blow that. your fingers off, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they break it down. You're like, wow, these guys really do. And, and then the uh, changing of the cartridge was important to that yes. scene. Yes. Yeah. So My favorite sure moment of the knew. shootout, actually. And they have yeah. a, they have a, they end, system. a, a system, a really intricate system. So that you don't even think, and you're able to, because the, they know that in the heat of the moment, you're going to be out of your yeah. mind, you know. They want it to be muscle memory, Muscle memory, yeah. 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 So As you, we're all sitting here doing that whole move, okay? Yeah. Right hand, <laughs> left hand to your chest. We're all sitting here doing this right now. Yeah, I'd be the opposite. I'm left-handed. But, yeah, I guess it'd be the same. I guess you just That was just one of the more it. interesting ones. They yeah, have that yeah. for every moment yeah, of yeah. where your fingers, and, and they index the uh, cartridge with your index finger so you can feel it, and you hold it up, what they call their... Your, I think it's something like your area of work or something, you know. Oh, wow. So they have all these different ways of doing this. And I was Damn, like, wow. They, you, you look really, I got to say, we saw all the footage on uh -huh. that. There was hours and pro. hours and hours of footage. You look pro. like a pro, man. They, they taught you well. They man. did. Yeah. They were good. Hey, yeah. I, got, I got a question for you along those lines, too. I've been wondering, because I've been trying to learn how to do this. In the pilot, when you pop the, the bullet out of the chamber and yeah. the gun. So how, did you, how long did you have to practice for that? Vince tells me it's easy. I can't yeah, seem to Vince do it. Yeah, because Vince shoots guns. <laughs> well, uh, Dean was a pro. Dean did it in, uh, Dean did it in one take. And I think you did it every time. I, I don't think you ever. Take. Yeah, you did it every take. Did, did you practice though? Yeah, I gotta learn how to do that. I've been trying, and I, you know, you gotta give it a little pop. I, I really want to learn Everybody how to do that. Everybody at home, I think we're a bunch move. of gun nuts here. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess moving on. Um, you know, I got a question because uh, I remember when you guys were breaking this. I, I was actually in the writers' room when, when, uh, when you guys were sort of talking about this, and I remember there also being a long, long, long you know, several discussions over, you know, I guess maybe months about Schrader Brow and the use of the Schrader Brow. Song. Oh, yeah. Is that oh, the first yeah. place that's introduced? Uh, yes. yes. It, it, we don't know that he brews No, we don't, we don't know. That. Yeah, we don't no, know we that don't know. Uh, Hank brews beer until, until this episode, uh, Breakage. And it's the old Lowenbrow song, just for people who don't. Yes. And we, we ended up getting that in? Because remember, there was mm -hmm. a big question. We had to fill oh, yeah. it twice. No, but, uh, you know, then Johan, our director, who's who we Swedish. Gotta, we got to talk about, yeah. We love Johan. He... Uh, as a backup, taught you right. on the day that we were shooting this like 200-year-old Swedish drinking song. And so we filmed Dean doing that. And when we got to the edit bay, it was so delightful that we ended up using them both. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. They're both in there. Both so in there. we have the Lohenbrow theme with uh, Hank's custom Schrader Rao lyrics. Yes. And then he does the little... That great last uh, note that you do. What was the deal with the Lohenbrow though? Well, they were they were wonderful. But, you know, what we're talking about, folks, is that music is a... You know, obviously music has ownership, just like any other copyrightable form of art. And... The Lowenbrow theme, which I'm not going to sing here because we don't have the rights. To sing, uh, yep. Yeah, no, we don't have the rights. So we can't even hum it. We've already but, paid uh, for it. We so paid for it at one time. At one time. But Thomas uh, Golubich, Thomas G., our uh, wonderful music supervisor, uh, it took him months of wrangling to, first of all, find the owner of the copyright or get to the right person at the corporation. And uh, it, it was a big deal. Luckily, we knew uh, we wanted to do this months, weeks or months ahead. Well, I heard about it in the summer. So, I mean, I yeah. remember it being talked about last July. Yeah. This is when it's good to plan ahead. This is when, you know, because if we had come up with it. this episode didn't film till when? Like, I don't even know, maybe Mid-summer. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. August. 
I don't, no. Albuquerque was like the surface of the sun. It was. It, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. It was probably late August. Late August. September yeah. five, and yeah. we started production on July. It was 15th, August. So. Yeah. But we had luckily Thomas G got us the uh, the rights. But the rights to the song we didn't. I I thought now I could be wrong on this because I did not cut this episode. But just in hearing in the ether up here. The rights to the song didn't come by until like very late. It was like maybe oh, oh wait a minute. Oh, you're right. No, uh, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah no, shot, no, no, that, yeah, we, yeah. That's we right. No, we we shot it. it two or three different ways. Which is why we did the alternate, the alternate song, Swedish drinking that's song. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you're exactly right. It's so good that we got that though because that's so perfect that low and brow song. I remember the song when I was a kid. No, I mean, do you know when the last yeah, time they no. used that? That I don't even. I don't even know. But this is they sell the beer anymore. Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah. I'm not a beer drinker, so... Beer's good. Beer's good. <laughs> I, 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 I want to go on record as having said that. <laughs> uh, no, this is the magic of advertising, you know, uh, whether it's a McDonald's jingle or the Lowenbrod jingle or well, any of them. But, I, I mean, just to even know. dig around for the, for the rights for that. It, know, it was a big doing. deal. It took a... Big Thomas deal. G. had to work very hard. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of doing. In an early draft, I had the theme from Jaws in the scene where right. oh, yeah. where Hank gets the promotion, oh, yeah. and all he was gonna good luck with that one. I know. Right. I I was so naive because they're like, you you have to rewrite that and take that out. And I was like, why? It's hilarious. He says that on his way out the door yeah. after he gets the promotion. They're like. Because those two notes are fifty thousand wow. yeah. dollars. Thanks, John Williams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, this episode was directed by uh, Johan Rink. He's a Swedish director. Yes, that he you is. guys brought in. Yes. And uh, he's awesome. He's awesome. He is awesome. He, he is. did a wonderful job. What a character. How'd you guys find him? He is a guy that uh, Mark Johnson, our executive producer, turned me on to. He directed, uh, I believe is his directorial debut as a movie. Did a movie called Downloading Nancy. However, uh, Johan is an old hand at directing. He makes quite a good living and, and is insanely successful and talented at directing big commercials television commercials and also music videos and uh, i think he also used to be a music star in his home country of sweden yeah he is yeah he sent me a couple of his yeah you can see his stuff on youtube uh, he's he's good uh (laughs) bow that's right (laughs) which is uh he's really good but uh he's uh he did a movie called downloading nancy and if you get a chance to see it i I don't know that it ever got a release it's uh it's very dark and uh it's not a feel-good movie, a very dark movie, but very well directed. Uh, I got to view it on DVD. Uh, Mark sent me the DVD. And, yeah, and me I was too. Like, yeah, and, and I remember being like, man, this guy, I love where he puts the camera. He's not showy. He's not flashy. He certainly can be if it, he's called upon to do that. But in this movie, what I really responded to was he always had a very interesting place to put the camera, and yet not in some bullshit look at me I'm directing kind of way it was always it always made sense and yet in it was always kind of unique of the it, character always in service of the character yeah I haven't seen it. And I don't know what happened, but I know when we did the gun thing, popping out of bed and going and running into the garage, he did stuff we'd never done before, where we, he tied me to the camera guy. Yeah. And he did wow, all kinds really? of different shots. I don't know which one's ever made it in. Yeah, that's all in there. It's, it's a fantastic us, sequence. Yeah. He tied me to the camera guy so that we could stay in focus, yes. but go through the house. Yeah. So, so you're always tension between tension you between. and the camera guy, and so that you right. always because uh, very smart thing to do because uh, especially in a dark scene like that. 
where you don't have a lot of light, your your f stop's going to be wide open. See, I'm going to sound like I know what I'm talking about here, but your f stop's going to be wide open. You're going to have a very narrow depth of field. So if we want you in focus when you're running through the house with the gun, we got to keep you precisely the same amount of distance from the handheld camera. So that was a real smart way to do it. Tie, yeah. you, tie, tie you to the cameraman. Camera, yeah. So you're always sort of pulling against each other, right. and you're always exactly, exactly three feet away or right. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, That's a really great sequence, by the way. It worked out good, yeah. And you I, never yeah. do see the rope, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, just seeing uh, that episode, you know, like I said, it was cut by Lynn Willingham, and I remember wandering in and seeing some of the footage, and I was just blown away. That it, Just some of the imagery. His eye is just exquisite yeah i mean uh one of the things i remember uh, that script came out and i believe you guys were somewhere around over labor day because i remember reading the script on an airplane it was uh moira's first script with you guys and i said okay let's see what she can do and boy <laughs> i was like so you know my hat's off to you yeah great job Moira. Thanks, definitely guys. thanks but, kelly but the one thing that i loved about it was um the montage sequence a lot of montage sequences i've ever seen are usually not as totally written and drawn out like I saw in this script, where you basically had, I don't know, must have been at least 20 or so different sequences, different setups, and they were each actually like told in the way that you wanted to see them, and they were all written just very illustratively. Well, there's a reason for that, because you don't have to, as a writer, write out a montage no, sequence you usually that, don't. that fully, and so, uh, Moira, tell them why that is. Um, it's, it's a location issue right and, and it's an issue of production that we're yeah. we're doing a very relatively low budget uh basic cable tv show here and our money we have to make it stretch we have to make our dollars stretch as far as they possibly can and typically a montage sequence would be you know you could be as simple as now the drug montage you know where they yeah. deal skinny pete and badger and well, that's and, usually uh, what i'm used to seeing not on this show but i'm used to seeing okay here we have yeah. This and, and that's not necessarily a bad way to do it because it allows the director, uh, you know, hopefully you've hired a director who's got a real eye and you trust him or her to do a great job and then they go and deliver it for you. Uh, you don't have to be that precise usually uh, as a writer, but in this case, uh, Karen Moore, our producer, and Stu Lyons, our UPM and producer, uh, made it real clear to us and for good reason. They said, We got to know exactly what you need here, no more, no less, yeah. because we've got we've only got eight days to shoot this thing, we've only got eight days to shoot any of these episodes, and, and just the amount of um setups. I guess the diversity of that montage was just, I mean, my mouth was watering. I was like, oh. Well, what was extraordinary. It's amazing you got as much footage as you got. It was extraordinary that we did and the way we ended up doing it because it is such a tight schedule and there were so many sequences we wanted to get was that we, we pared down the crew to what we could move on foot within like a four block Gorilla radius. Gorilla style. In downtown and Albuquerque. Yeah. So, you know, Johan and I talked about the vision of like, who we wanted to populate these scenes. And again, you know, his artistic eye is so phenomenal that he would go and we would line up all the extras and all the people that we wanted to use as the meth heads and the white supremacists. And, you know, Johan would create that with the wardrobe people and rejigger what they were wearing and say, no, get, get a dog in here. And, you know, he made, he took these little sentences that I had written and turned them each little section into its own little movie. And did, we just 
ran and it was like I middle the of the night. I love the guy with the thumbnail. What is that weird? That guy the weird with the dude with the thumbnail. Yeah, at I the pet that. store. At the pet store. I love you that. You know? So, yeah, it was like late at night and we would catch this. We tried to uh, get this stuff over the course of about three nights and we had to change some to the day because we ran out of time. And it was just, we just ran. We had like the camera guys and a couple of lights and we're like, okay, everybody down the block. And we go down the block Beautifully and set shot. it up. And, and it looks amazing. too that he did that was so nice and I love the fact that he's not afraid of focus. He loves, he likes using soft focus. He uses it incredibly artistically. Yeah. And well, there's always, it always, I love you, it always yeah, he did a great, he always yeah. snaps sharp. You can't just do it soft all the time. He, he, he uses it very sparingly because yeah. you, you, it's got to mostly be sharp but then he allows allows it to go a little soft at moments precise moments very well done it looks effortless as all you know great uh skill and works of art whatever the hell i'm trying to say things look effortless when when they're executed by someone who really knows what they're doing but there was an awful lot of work and planning that went into that oh, as, as Stu Lyons says montage is uh, French for over budget <laughs> but, uh, and, and, but uh, you guys really kicked that one in the butt uh, there was uh, oh and also I want to give a shout out to Gwen Savage who is our extras casting person in Albuquerque we have some of the most interesting Fellini-esque faces <laughs> in our show I mean she finds people you know, like I'm just I'm thinking this montage makes that come to mind. Gwen finds some of the most amazing faces that we put on our show, and I just she is brilliant at what she does. I don't know where she finds these folks. I like the guy with the horns from. Uh, yeah, uh, was that, <laughs> yeah. Was he back? Was he? Was he, he pops up yeah, occasionally. He, he may just be popping up later this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keep your eyes peeled. But I tell you, just amazing faces Gwen finds for us. And you got any uh, last Johan stories there? Uh... Well, he's he's just such a character, and everybody just loved him. I Be- loved him. Yeah. I mean, he's this enormously tall guy who never does anything slowly, never walks anywhere slowly. He's full of energy, and he's just – but he's, like, one of the guys. So, you know – we're we're shooting something and and the, the guys aren't getting it right and he's watching through the monitors and he'll just yell out he goes what are you doing it's rubbish you're fucking killing me <laughs> you know and because he's hilarious like everybody yeah he doesn't really mean it he just no and yet it gets everybody working faster because so. everybody starts to laugh everybody works faster everybody what was that thing you were saying to Anna when she was talking oh, wait, in it was bed? so so funny. Uh, there's a scene uh, in the episode where Brian and Anna are supposed to be sleeping at night and then Brian's going to get out of bed. And while we were setting up the lighting, Anna and Brian are chatting. You know, they're li- husband and wife lying in bed chatting. And the camera's rolled and I guess they missed the cue. And all of a sudden you hear from way back at the at Video Village, Johan's like, sleep, woman! <laughs> <laughs> and Anna's like... Uh, oh, uh, sorry. He's a you know. He bought everybody cigars at the end of the, uh, didn't he? Cigars, the yeah, cigars for everybody. He like, challenged me to drinking uh, to a drink off uh, nonstop. Unfortunately, I was n- unable to participate. But, uh, <laughs> and I got to admit, I'm a drinker, but I'll tell you what, I was a little nervous that he might win. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tell yeah, you, man, I would not want to go off again. Some of those Europeans, man, I don't know. Yeah. They, yeah. they got uh, the hollow leg or something. I don't know. Was it? Well, we, uh, should, uh, a, we should wrap it up yeah, here. Yeah. Um, Thank you, everybody, for coming. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Moira. Oh, well said. Nice. As always, nice. thank you, Vince. You're very welcome. And uh, we will convene uh, on episode 206 entitled Peekaboo. Yes. 
Thank you. So thank you, everyone, for uh, checking us out, and uh, let's go break bad.